God is doing good things in our lives, and he is not weak. You know, if you were in a desert and, you know, you saw a well and there was water down in there, you listening? There was water down in there in that well. Think of it. I mean, if you saw it down there, it would just be a matter of how do I get this out? How do I get this out? How do I, it's there. And with the Christians, so many Christians are looking for God to do something and don't realize they have a well, a source right there. How do I tap into what's already mine now that I receive the Lord? And so it'd be the same thing. Eventually you'd think, let's try a stick. Let's try something to put something down there to get that out because it's there, right there. I've got it. What do I got to do to get it out or get it out of there and satisfy my life? It's not like, you know, if you cried and said, oh Lord, we need water. He'd say, it's right there. You know, and that's how it is with a Christian. There's eternal life in you. It's a matter of, well, how do I get it out then? How do I get it into motion? If you will, I'm going to, that's not part of the message, but I'm going to talk about the secret to success today. If you open up your Bible to Psalms 126, and this may just be one message by itself, though I have a few notes here that may extend it, but Psalms 126 verse 6 is a a real interesting verse. We used to sing this when we were little kids at church, or uh, not sing this exactly, but we used to sing a song in kids' church about going out, the person going out with seeds weeping, and then would come back with a harvest. And we talked about reaching the lost. But notice, you know, through that, in other words, going out and sharing the gospel and bringing lost people in. But this verse means more than that. Psalms 126 verse 6 says, He who continually goes forth weeping. Hallelujah. Weep for weeping. But notice the phrase. He who goes forth continually or regularly weeping. Notice just because you cry is not the answer. Thank you. This gets better. But it says bearing seed for sowing. You know, you, you ever had a bag of sunflower seeds? And, or been around people that did? You don't take those with you to sow them or plant them. You take them to eat them. Make sure you don't eat the seeds you're supposed to sow. Right? Or else, when you need a harvest... You'll think, where is that? And you're like, oh, I was full a month ago from that. But, I, but what's in the seed is more than enough to have seeds to eat and more than enough for a future harvest. You with me? But it's planted. So he who goes forth weeping. So this means this isn't always the easiest thing maybe to do. Bearing seed for sowing. In other words, if you plant these seeds, he said, that person shall doubtless, uh, this is a guarantee, will come again with rejoicing. If you will practice this principle, there will come a time, and we're talking about how to guarantee your own success. And has God told us what to do to succeed? And this may be success in a different way than maybe you think. 
But it says these people will doubtless that go forth continually weeping will at some point come back rejoicing. But notice they don't bring back seeds. It said they bring sheaves with them. What is a sheave? You know, I remember when we'd say, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, we are his disciples, bringing in the sheaves. And I thought, that's awesome. But I didn't know what that was. I mean, it was years later, you know, because you can sing songs, you know. I, this is not for preaching, you know, to make something. But when they said, surely goodness and mercy used to follow you all the days of your life. When I was a little kid, I was like, that's odd. Surely. Well, I knew a lady named Goodness, and I knew a lady. Remember when names were like that? Some people don't. And Mercy. Anybody know somebody named Mercy? And I would think, well, that's just the oddest verse. You know, you're a little kid. It doesn't make sense. You know, like that little kid. He, he went to church, and he was all excited, you know, and he left and went home, and the parents said, we're going back next week. And he just started crying. He said, I thought you said you had fun. I did, but I don't want to go back. And they're like, this makes so sense, no sense. So they thought, this is weird, but we'll just get him ready and take him back to church. And he was crying. He wouldn't get ready that morning. Finally, they're like, what's the matter? I thought you liked it. He said, yes, I do. But they said, next week when you come, we forgot to put you in the register and we're going to this year, this week. Some, that doesn't make sense to some people, but it used to be a register was that thing in the ground with the heat unit and they were going to put him in there because he had thought maybe I acted up no it meant we want to put your name and so when they would sing the song bringing in the sheaves I didn't know what that was but then I didn't realize but now I know I grew a little and looked looked it up seeds produce a harvest and when you reap a harvest you gather it into a bundle that's a sheave and so when you see that, you know, it's basically you're rejoicing because you end up with a lot more later if you'll plant it today. And so people need to realize planting and giving is not always easy. It's not, but it needs to happen. And, it, and, and while I'm talking, people are probably heading different ways right now in their thinking. Oh, he's going to talk about money, or he's going to talk about this. Well, let's see what the Bible talks about. Even though the Bible does talk about money as planting, that is by far not the, you know, the only planting. As a matter of fact, we should be planting regularly. At work, we should be planting in the neighborhood. When we run into people, we should be putting seeds in the ground. Turn to Luke 6.38. Luke 6.38. And this is a scripture that we use or people use for offerings. And though it does include that in a way because it says whatever you sow, it actually is talking about planting seeds in people. And you being the master of, really, you could say it like this, you're the master of your own harvest. You are the master of what you will reap in your life. What Do you like where you're at? And if you're the master of your own harvest, you could say any farmer is the master of his own harvest. 
If he plants, he will, and it may take toil to break up the ground and to sow, but eventually he's going to reap. And these verses right here talk about what to sow and what is necessary to sow. And we shouldn't look at it just from the standpoint of what I'm going to reap ultimately, but we should look at it from the standpoint of what, where do I sow it and if I plant a seed in somebody, what is that seed going to do in the person I planted in? Instead of just planting for selfishness, look at these verses. Luke 6.37, it says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven give, and in the context, we know he's talking about giving, not judgment. And how easy it is sometimes to give judgment to people. They deserve it. And they may. Because they're not always as perfect as me and you. We understand. We come from perfection. No, no, no. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and in the context, he does talk about giving in every area, but he is also targeting, don't give just be a judgmentalism to people. Don't just give condemning, be condemning toward people. Because he said, give and it will be given to you. In other words, hold back judgment sometimes in some situations. And judgment, freedom in that area will come to you. There will be times where maybe you should have been judged and all of a sudden, man, I got off. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about when we give mercy and when we don't just judge everybody, when the day comes where it's our own judgment, we'll rejoice because we'll be judged by a less standard because we gave mercy. That went on. Talking about our own success here, in case you didn't know. But he said, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. In other words, no matter how you give, it's always pressed down, shaken together, and running over that comes back to you. And he tells you based on the measure. So you could say it like this. If I give like a thimble, you know what a thimble is? You know back when people used to sew? They put that thing on their fingers so they wouldn't jam it with the needle. And that's like a little cup. And if you give thimble size all the time, you will reap thimble size pressed down, shaken together, and running over. If you give bucket size freedom and not condemnation and not judgment, you'll reap bucket size pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And if you give dump truck size, you'll get back pressed down. You always get back pressed down, shaken together, and running over is what he's saying. But notice he said, given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom or given back to you. 
For with the same measure that you use, the same measure you use, it will be given back to you. Think about it. The way I give out to people, if I'm harsh, I better be careful to quickly change because I sure don't want that kind of harvest. But he said, basically, give mercy. Give forgiveness to people. Give kindness to people. Lift people with your words or at least hold back words. Not hold backwards. Hold back words. Punctuation helps, and I'm not always good at that. There's a little thing that said commas save lives. And it said something like, let's eat children. They forgot the commas, so it's like eat the children, and kids were running and parents were chasing. I'm thinking, oh, no. No. Let's eat, comma, children. Thank you. In other words, holding back certain things is appropriate. You with me? Just for the sake of you don't want to plant it. And one thing we need to recognize this is we live in a world that needs desperately what we have been readily receiving from the Lord. When we received Christ, we received abundance of grace. He does not hold your trespasses against you. It's a debt you could not pay. It's something you get to eat of all the time. You can technically live free from guilt. Now, we understand that the world may not be saved, but they still crave God. There's an empty void there. And through mercy and kindness, uh, you know, this draws people. And it is what the world needs. It can set people against you at work or for you at work. It can do different things, and we need to recognize when we sow these things, he said, whatever a man sows, that will he reap. But notice what it does not say. This is important because, see, somebody will say, well, you know what? I practiced this one time, and I was trying to be nice to that lady at work, and she was, a, she was meaner than a dog back to me. Notice it doesn't say you'll reap back from the person you sow this to. It just says in time, you will reap. In other words, this is what life will become to you. There are things you can do, like pray for that person. Take authority. You have authority. People can yield to the devil and not even know it in the world. They did that to Jesus. One of his own did it. Peter said, I'm not going to let you do this. He said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He just wasn't mindful of the right thing, and he started yielding to something wrong. You have to realize we live in a fallen world. And we do have authority. And when people act unusually weird and unusually wrong toward you for no reason, you need to go to your closet and pray and take authority over things operating behind that person through the name of Jesus. You're allowed to do that. And then you'll see things change. I've watched that over the years happen, but that's not part of this message. And I know other people too. So we need to realize what we sow, we don't always reap it from the person we sow it to, but it's the general principle of giving. Sowing kindness, sowing love and mercy. 
and humanity needs this. And in all reality, when we're giving love and kindness, you know, recognize this, you know, we're in the middle of a bunch of upheaval and politics and society and everything. Remember this, first we're a Christian. You know, when the Lord, when we get to heaven, he's not going to go, you're a Republican? Man, I've been cheering you on. <clears throat> no, first we're a Christian. As you cause dividing lines right there, people may go, well, I don't want the Lord because then I'm this. No, we need to recognize long beyond that people need the Lord and we need to give love and recognize we're first of the kingdom of God. Thank you. And we've received mercy, so we have mercy to give. We do. We actually do have it. But I don't know about you, I want more of a harvest of some of this stuff in my life. Like I said, that shouldn't be the ultimate goal, but we should recognize if I plant stuff, it's going to come up. And I'm the master of my own harvest then. And there is a world out there that's poor. And when I say poor, you know, they're poor. And not just poor money, because people can have lots of money, but be really poor. Turn to Proverbs 19. And it's so important for us to recognize that people are poor, and we're rich in the Lord. And sometimes if we're not careful, we start looking at people and thinking, man, they act like this and they act like this. And why don't they, why don't they act better? Because they're poor. And we're looking at them and we are rich. There should be a huge difference then between a rich person and a poor person. A rich person has a bunch. It's easy to give. Or it's available to give. And so we're all rich in the Lord. We've been extended mercy. We've been extended grace and kindness from God and all these things. So we're rich. We have that to give. The world doesn't have it. We should recognize, what am I giving to people? How am I treating people? And if I'm a Christian, I'm rich, I'm capable of doing this. I got the goods to be nice. Notice this in Proverbs 19, verse 17. It says, He who has pity on the poor <clears throat> lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. Now, remember, I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about the financially poor. Because there are, like I said, there are people who are middle income. They're poor. And there's people that got billions of dollars. And they're poor. And there's people, the Bible said, who don't have money, but they're called, James calls them, rich in faith. They've got eternal life. We're looking at a small chunk of time here where people have and don't have, but then we're talking about 
forever and ever on the other side. And there are people who maybe today don't have a bunch, but they got a bunch. And, and with that being said, how does God look at things? You know, sometimes we go, wow, those people are rich. And sometimes rich people are poor. Poor in how they act. Poor in how they treat people. Because for some reason they think that monetary means makes you rich. And it doesn't. It just makes you be able to buy a couch that may be a little more comfortable. Eat a different meal. But it doesn't satisfy inside. True riches, monetary, should be the byproduct of something else. But we need to recognize God doesn't look at people who have a bunch of money and go, yeah, they're, they're just, those people are rich. And, and if you look at people wrong, you'll, you'll start esteeming the wrong people. And think just because they got money, they, their voice should be heard. And what you don't realize is, is their voice is really, they've got monetary money, but they're poor and their voice should not be heard. They have poor advice. They're making poor decisions. And, and that's not how God looks at riches all the time. As a matter of fact, if we're to lend and give to the poor, you may need to give this kindness to somebody who's got a lot of money that you know. Because you may not realize, but you're more rich than them. And what happens, we get twisted because we go by appearance and don't realize this is not how the Lord is looking at this whole program. Just because they own the biggest corporation or a big business doesn't mean they need to be esteemed higher than somebody who does you know, doesn't own their own home or something, or they're just starting out in life. And well, we look at them and think, well, they're better than this person. No, that's a wrong view. As a matter of fact, it's a real worldly view. And, and if we think, well, those people that got all this money and they're just mean to people, we should recognize they're poor. They're poor. Somebody said, I'd like some of their poverty. Yeah, and that's why some of them kill themselves. I think you can have money. God's not opposed to you having money, but realize there are things that are, the Bible calls the true riches. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us to be faithful with the monetary money we have in giving and different things. Then it says the Lord then will entrust you with the true riches. So there are riches that are not always the riches people look at. Look at this in the book of Revelation. And we're talking about here from this standpoint in Proverbs, where it says, he who has pity on the poor, and that pity there says, lends to the Lord. When you give to people who are poor, God sees it as giving to him. And he said, and if you give to the poor, he'll pay you back. Now, 
Now, like I said, realize this, that our viewpoint of poor is not always God's, and he's not talking always just about money when he's talking about poor. And God looks at how we treat people. As a matter of fact, when you can read in the Old Testament and the New Testament again and again, when people came against God's people, God would say, why are you attacking me? Why are you coming against me? And here, he said that concerning the children of Israel. When Saul, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, was persecuting the church, the Lord appeared to him and said, why are you persecuting me? In other words, why are you treating me like this? And isn't it interesting, he said, when we give to the poor or take care of the poor, we lend and give to the Lord. Now, remember, I said this, you are the master of your own harvest. He said, then the Lord would repay. But what does poor look like from God? Turn to book, the book of Revelation. And like I said, it's not always monetary. It's not about money that, that God looks at the poor and says, oh, they don't got a bunch of money. They're poor. That's not how he looks all the time. Now, the Lord would like to increase people. We know that. He said, put him first, seek him first, and he would begin to increase your life. But notice this in the book of Revelation, verse 17. He said, because you say I'm rich and I have become wealthy. I have need of nothing. I, I got the dough. I got the bread. I got the cash. The simoleons, whatever you call them, whatever they call them today. I'm probably outdated. People are like, what are you talking about? Money. Electronic money today, I guess. But he said, these people were saying, because I say I'm rich, or you say I'm rich, I've become wealthy, I have need of nothing. He said, do you not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, poor, blind, naked? But they could, they had clothes, but they could see with their natural eyes. But they had money in their pockets. They had land. They had all these investments. And he said, you're wretched. So that's what I'm saying. There are people out there that are poor in ways that maybe we don't look. And we think, why do they act so mean? Don't condemn. Give mercy. Don't judge, give kindness. Somebody said, well, I think they're going to run me over that way. You know, what if I help somebody else at work that seems to be doing good, and I go, man, you're doing good, and I tell the boss, when the boss says, you know, you're the boss, and you say, hey, that was actually this person, they had a great idea, and they're underneath you. And you go, well, I don't want to tell them because that'll take my promotion. Whatever a man sows. I'll tell you what, when you tell things like that, maybe you don't know 
when you're honest and tell people, hey, this was somebody that was underneath me. They did a good job. What does that do? That can be like a cup of cold water in a dry place. When you tell people the right thing and do the right thing, and I'm not talking about lying to people, but sometimes people are pushing other people down because they think it's robbing them. They don't realize if they'd help someone else. And so God sees all that. And it's all seeds that are being planted. Am I lifting up other people or pulling them down? Well, what if they get ahead of me? Well, what if my whole team passes me up at work? Well, maybe it would lift them up and it would lift you up. And even if it didn't at that time, it would. Because God said, you, by sowing right, can reap. You know, there's an interesting verse in the Bible in Proverbs 25. I wasn't going to turn here, but since we're, since we have a Bible, Proverbs 25 and, and in the world, they'll teach you, push people down. Don't help other people. It's okay to give people credit. And it's okay to say, hey, you did a good job. Because we're not doing this just for men. We're actually planting spiritual seeds. Proverbs 25, well, but I need a raise. Listen, if you get enough people raises and treat people a certain way, God will see to it that you'll be taken care of. But it's really a poor mentality to not sow those words. Hallelujah. It is. It's a poor man's mentality to not be willing to go, they did a good job. Yeah, but they did some bad stuff last week. Let's let them get wrung out to dry. No, it's okay to say, hey, man, they, I know they did this in the past, but hey, they've changed. They're doing good. Those people will get endeared to you, even if they do currently stab you in the back. They know. They're watching. And here's the thing. You're not going to run out if you are kind. You have a resource. You got God in you. They don't. Notice this in Proverbs 25, verse 25. It says, as cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. We are called foreigners in this earth, pilgrims in this land. We are from a far off country. We're the ones who can give good things to people and it will become like a cool cup of water to them. Have you ever met people who are real merciful Man, it's just like, can be refreshing. Thank you. What, what made Jesus so loving? There were other religious people around when Jesus was there. There were tons of people that were religious. There were Pharisees, been around for a long time, groups of them, Sadducees and different ones. They were all these religious leaders but those Pharisees and those Sadducees were religious and they were hard and they were harsh. But one thing that they found in Jesus was you could be committing adultery and he'd forgive you. 
and go, let's go, let's quit sinning, let's move forward. And people were deprived in life and tore down by life and Jesus was willing to go, hey, I can help you up. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we're the only one that can help others up. I, I had heard this. I was telling somebody this this week on the phone. I had read this story of during World War II in France. There was a big statue of Jesus. And when during World War II, you know, Europe got decimated. And, and it's amazing how much they got it back to what it looked like, you know, in some ways. Because the architecture is incredible. But there was a big statue of Jesus that had gotten obliterated or broken up and the community put it back together and there were now looking like scars and the people admired the thing and the scars and thought wow it's not a perfect Jesus it's a whipped beaten Jesus like a suffered suffering Jesus and but they could never get like down below the bottom part of the hands and arms back and they were like, well, what will we do? And one of the people said, let's put a plaque on there that, that says the only hands Jesus has now are our hands. Because the statue had no more hands. And so here we are in the earth, and we're the ones who are to extend mercy and love to people who are lost. People act like sinners because they're sinners. They're bankrupt. They're poor. And sometimes... What would help us is to be kind to them and recognize I've got eternal life. I can give kindness and love. And what it really does is it releases something in you. It gets what's in you as a believer out and in motion. And it starts a cycle in life that some people think, well, I'm starving. I need people to do this to me. And so then what that is, it's about me. No, don't make it about you. Make it about other people. And when you give it to other people, then guess what? In time, you'll start stumbling into a harvest without trying. God will see to it that his word is not void of power and not void of performance. He will do these things. And so here it says in Proverbs 24, 25, 25, 25, as cold water to a weary soul. We could say this if we mix this verse with the other verse, a weary, poor soul. As cold water is to a weary and a poor soul, so is good news from a far country. We possess good news. Notice this in Proverbs 11. You guys with me? It's important to know that we have received mercy, abundance of mercy. Because we give mercy, that's not going to make people take advantage. And even if they do, big deal. You know, Jesus gave that constantly to people, and he wasn't alarmed that people might take advantage of him. Then he taught his disciples to do the same thing, because one time some people were talking bad about Jesus and what he was doing, and the disciples only knew the Old Testament scriptures. And they knew Jesus was a miracle performer. And they knew, man, he was healing the sick and doing all this stuff. And they recognized there are no bridges he's not crossing in this miracle business. And we've been reading our Old Testament. 
And I remember a guy calling down fire from heaven. They said, hey, how about if we call down fire on these people who are messing with you, Jesus? They're taking advantage of you. They're talking bad. We see you're a miracle worker. We want to pray. Okay, yeah, pray, call down fire prayer. But it's a, I want, you know, this would be good. And he said, listen, guys, you don't know what kingdom you're of. He said, let them go. That's why sometimes people are sowing seeds and weeping. Serious, Jesus, let them go. This would be a great opportunity right now. You know, they're talking about you. And he said, let them go. In other words, plant a proper seed. In time, everything's going to get sorted out. Everything will get sorted out. Proverbs eleven twenty four says this. There is one who scatters. Now we read this concerning offerings, and it really is toward that. But it, it's sowing and reaping, so it fits what we're talking about. He said there is one who scatters, in other words, plants these seeds, yet he increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. What kind of poverty? My personal harvest. Now, I know these are talking about finances, but in all reality, it's still true in the other thing because he talks about giving mercy, giving kindness, not condemning, not being judgmental, not being harsh on everybody. And he said, when you do that, whatever a man sows, when you sow those things, you will reap. And if I'm not experiencing these things and I want more prosperity, you understand what prosperity I'm talking about, then maybe I should be more gentle. Jesus said, come learn of me. I'm meek, gentle, lowly in heart. You'll find rest to your soul. Can people come to us and get rest for their soul? That's a good question. Now, I don't think we should just be soft in every way and just trying to do certain things, but can they find kindness? Can they? The Bible said the wisdom that's from above is first pure. It's pure, then peaceable, and full of good fruits. So the things that come from us should be full of good fruit. So if, you know... I want a good harvest. You know, the Bible said Christ is in us. He's the hope of glory. Somebody might say, I need this more than I need to give this. No, you need to give this more than you need it because in the giving, you'll find that eventually it will come back to you. It'll create a different home. It'll create different things in your relationships. It may not change your relationships, but it'll start doing things in your relationships as a whole. Because once you're giving this kind of stuff, God will make sure you get people around you that are willing to give this to you too. Not everybody will give this to you. Not everybody because we live in a fallen world. Somebody might say, well, I don't know if I have this to give. You do. 
It just may take some weeping. I'm tired of weeping. Well, you can weep because you haven't reaped. This rhyme is coming to me right now. I'm about to start rapping. No, you, you could... I'm not going to do that because I want you to stay for about five more minutes. You can weep because you haven't reaped. But if you do sow then in time you will reap and there won't be all that weeping. They'll even tell you, you know, people who deal with depression, go help some other people up. It will do something to you. Somebody says, well, I don't got it to give. If you're saved, you do have a treasure. You're just up thinking wrong in your mind and in your feelings. There's a spiritual part of you that was made brand new. The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, you have a treasure already inside of you. You got stuff you could pull out. You could choose to act kind because you know what kindness is because you know the Lord. And if you'll start doing that, your personality will change. If you give courage to other people, it will tweak your own personality. It will. Your own self will change. And and I don't know about you, but we said this earlier, right at the end of praise and worship, God's in us as believers. Well, let's let him out. Now, he's not going to go, good, I've been wanting out of here. I'm out of here. No, let him out of you. The Bible said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, that's, he's in you so you can know about your future, but what about your present? What about giving kindness and giving love and giving mercy to people and encouraging people along the way and giving it to poor people? So that you know this, that doesn't mean go down to the ghetto. It means there's poor people all over the place. And it will be like a cup of cold water to them in a dry place. They'll wonder, what's the deal here with these people? 